Amen. Thank you. James, you brought your Bible. Say amen. Let me invite you to open it with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Somebody asked why we didn't cancel church because of the snow. And the really reason is because I would never finish Luke's Gospel if we started canceling Sunday mornings. You know what I'm saying? So we're in Luke, chapter 11 this morning and excited to be able to share with you. So let me invite you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. Luke, chapter 11 this morning, beginning in verse 37. You've got it there in front of you. Say yes. And uh, that was five of you. The rest of y'all got it? Say yes. Sean, you got it? God bless you. Look at your Bible, 37. When Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him, and he went in and reclined at the table. And when the Pharisee saw it, uh, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you you're full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things that you should have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you who are concealed tombs, and the people who walk over them are unaware of it. And one of the lawyers said to him uh, in reply, Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. Uh, lawyers should be quiet. But anyway, verse 46, when Jesus said, Well, woe to you too, right? And he lays it out, Woe to you lawyers as well, for you have weighed men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. For this, will, uh, for this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some of them they will persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something that he might say. Let's bow together. Father, in Jesus' name, it's our hearts to hear the word of heaven this morning. So I pray that you'd fill me with the Spirit, help me to preach what you desire, and God, I pray that your word would stick to us. And God, it would transform us. And Lord, I pray that you would make it evident, plain, and clear if there's anybody in the house today who is a fake believer. They don't have a genuine relationship with you. So God, I pray you'd call them by your grace, do a great work, and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject, you might be a fake if. You might be a fake if. Now, Jeff Foxworthy has become extremely popular over the course of many, many years using his uh, you might be a redneck if jokes. And so this morning, I got a few of those jokes that I beg you to laugh heartily at, all right? So I'm not by myself up here. But listen to some of these jokes, if you've heard them before. You might be a redneck if you ever cut your grass and found a car. You might be a redneck if you think the stock market has a fence around it. It's getting hot up here. You might be a redneck if your boat has not left the driveway in 15 years. Or you might be a redneck if you burn your yard rather than mow it. 
<laughs> they do that in Lula, where I live. You might be a redneck if you own a homemade fur coat. <laughs> That's hysterical. You know, we laugh at all these you might be a redneck if jokes. But this morning, I want to give our attention to the thought you might be a fake convert if... You know, Jesus on several occasions pointed out the religious of his day and called them hypocrites. A hypocrite was literally someone who put on a mask and would pretend to be someone that they really were not. In other words, they simply were fake. Jesus exposes the hypocrites of his days who were pretending to know God, but in fact, they did not know God at all. If they had known the God of the scripture, they would have realized that Jesus was indeed God in the flesh. You know, the Pharisees and the lawyers had the Messiah sent from God standing right in front of them, and they completely missed him. So who exactly was Jesus? Well, Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Jesus was the seed of Adam who would come and crush the head of the devil. Jesus was the seed of Abraham who would be a blessing to all nations. Jesus was the seed of David who would usher in an eternal dynasty as king of kings and lord of lords. And yet, whenever the Pharisees Pharisees and the lawyers saw him along with all of Israel, they completely denied him. In fact, they slandered the seed of woman, calling Jesus an illegitimate child. They slandered the seed of Abraham and called Jesus a blasphemer who made himself out to be God. And they slandered the uh, name of Jesus Christ as the seed of David and called him a devil who comes to deceive. So they completely rejected God's Messiah. Now, what is unique about the life of these religious individuals is that they had a zeal and a passion for God. They actually were passionate about the Lord God, and yet the Bible teaches that they missed God altogether. You know, Paul the Apostle writes about them in Romans chapter 10 and verse 2 saying this, I testify about them that they have a zeal for God. All right, so they're passionate about who God is, but then the Bible goes on to say, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Jesus Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. You see, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, they were all involved in establishing their own religious system whereby they could guarantee, quote unquote, their own righteousness. And they not only uh, put this system together, but they went around and they preached it and taught it to others as well. And Jesus now in our text exposes their hypocrisy, points a finger at them and declares woe upon you. And the word woe, I didn't mention in the first service, but here I'll mention it. It literally speaks of uh, judgment that is coming, but the idea of woe not only has a severe judgment, but it is mixed with great regret. In other words, Jesus is overwhelmingly broken at the hypocrisy and the rejection of the Israelite people. Now this morning, you could be in church and have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with the knowledge. That is, you have not genuinely come to faith in Jesus Christ. You can be passionate about the things of God and go to hell when you die. But God graciously through his word reveals to you and I how we can discover whether or not we're genuine converts or whether or not we are fake believers. So with that in mind, I've got a lot of points this morning that I want to encourage you to jot down. But let's start with point number one. You might be a fake if. 
All right, you might be a fake if you criticize people for breaking your man-made laws. Look in your Bible in verse 37. When Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him, and he went in and reclined at the table. That picture, by the way, of reclining is how they would actually eat at a table. The tables were very short, and they would come in, and they would lay down next to the table. And they would prop one head up, or one head, they only had one head. They would prop their head up with one hand, and with their other hand, they would reach out, and they would grab a hold of the food. So that is the image. Jesus comes in, and he immediately reclines at the table. But notice what happens according to the text. When the Pharisees saw it, he was surprised that Jesus had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. Now, the Pharisees, who are they? The Pharisees are a Jewish sect of individuals who are uh, priding themselves on regarding the law of God with the greatest of estimation. Jewish history actually teaches us in 586 BC that the Israelite nation, specifically Jerusalem, was ransacked by Babylon. And the Babylonians took the Israelites into captivity. You can read about that in Daniel chapter 1. That's when they all went into uh, Babylonian captivity. And while they were there, because they had been ostracized from the temple, they likewise had become ostracized from what they were used to doing according to the Old Testament law as it was uh, pertaining to the temple sacrifices. And so while they were in this strange and new surrounding, they did not want to lose their Jewish identity. And so many of the elders got together and they would begin to create, listen to the preacher, they would begin to create uh, many traditions and many laws. In fact, they literally came up with hundreds of rules and regulations and standards to govern Jewish life. So they said, okay, live like this. That way you will look different and everyone will know that you are Jewish. Now, it seems like a great idea, but there was a massive problem with it. The problem is that they began to teach the traditions which they had created while in captivity as if they were from God himself. Jesus speaks about this in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 7 where he says, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you. And he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. By the way, just free preaching here. Look at the preacher's moment. You can be in here this morning and with your lips honor God through song, but your heart be far from the Lord. And that's what the Lord Jesus says about these religious people during his day. And he says, In vain they worship me. Teaching, listen to what Jesus says, teaching as doctrines, that is, as biblical truth, as is a word from God, the precepts of men. It's interesting, the religious of Jesus' day were caught up in what we often call legalism. Best definition of legalism I ever found uh, came from Max Lucado. Listen to what Max Lucado says about legalism. He says, legalism is a search for innocence, not a search for forgiveness. It's a systematic process where you defend self, explain self, exalt self, justify self. The obsession with legalism, self, not God. Legalism has no pity on people. Legalism makes my opinion your burden, makes my opinion your boundary, and makes my opinion your obligation. You know, in our text this morning, Jesus entered the house of a legalistic Pharisee. He sat down to eat. Before he did that, he did not wash his hands, which, listen to the preacher, was a man-made law. Now, Jesus could sense the emanating condemnation. 
coming from the Pharisee in the house. And so he speaks directly to him in verse 39. He says, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside you, you are full of robbery and wickedness, you foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Now think about this. Jesus has been invited over to eat lunch and here he is now holding up before everyone to see a cup and a platter. And he says, you Pharisees are just like this cup. You clean up on the outside, but on the inside, you are filthy and full of sin. You Pharisees are just like this platter. You clean the outside, but on the inside, you are still filled with sin. Jesus states that on the inside, these Pharisees were like ravenous wolves seeking to extort people for their own goods. And they were selfish and filled with unmet desires that literally controlled them. They had completely mistaken what true cleanliness before God really was. And now, there's a warning in this text for everybody who goes to church. Are y'all listening? Say yes. Y'all go to church. So here's the warning. We must be careful not to hold our man-made religious traditions over people's heads as standards of true cleanliness before God. Because they are man-made traditions. And if you're not careful throughout the course of history, even the way you are brought up, you can create all of these legalistic traditions and then go to a church and see somebody not following your little tradition and say, oh, that's no way to live. They're ungodly. Listen, no, 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 you're ungodly. That is not biblical. That's legalism. And you are drowning people, choking people, and you are criticizing them for something that is not even scriptural. So be very careful. We do not want to fall as a church into the bonds of legalism. And there are many churches who are in the bonds of legalism and they are suffocating the very life out of the church because they never give grace. Which, by the way, I'm glad Jesus came to give grace. Can I get a witness on that? He gave us grace. And we've got to be very careful not to fall, not to fall. Notice what Jesus says in verse 41. He says, give that which is within as charity. And then all things are clean for you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, give what's within to charity. He's saying, give your heart over to God. By faith, trust me. If you'll give what's inside over to the Lord, then God will make you clean. Here's the good news. You cannot clean yourself up. It is an impossibility. Too much sin. But the good news is God didn't say, good luck. Here's the standard. Try to jump over it to cleanse yourself. God says, you can't jump over the standard. So I'm going to come down there to where you are and do for you what you could not do for yourself. I'll make you clean. And God does that by his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to preach this morning. Y'all all right? Y'all hear me preach out there? So that's good stuff, but be very careful. You might be a fake. Are y'all listening? Say yes. You might be a fake if you find yourself criticizing other people for not following your man-made traditions. And be very careful because what the, this is all free. I don't know why I'm spending more time on this, but be very careful because this is what happens to the Pharisees and Sadducees. They would read an Old Testament law, like keep the Sabbath day holy, and then they would get together and say, how can we keep the Sabbath day holy? And they created a list of do's and don'ts. All of this stuff outside of the word of God, extra biblical. And then they walked around and found people breaking the laws. They created themselves and said, you're not holy. God don't like you. If we're not careful, we'll read a verse of scripture in the Bible, then we'll get around with some buddies of ours and create a system. And then start trying to get everybody to live by our system. That's not scriptural. Be very careful, man. People falling into that pit 
all the time. And if you find yourself very uh, bent toward a critical spirit, it could be because you're a Pharisee. They criticize. Point number two. Y'all probably like going to the second. Y'all with me? Point number two. Here we go. You might be a fake if you give to God but mistreat other people. You give to God but you mistreat other people. Look at your Bible, verse 42. Uh, but woe to you Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and ruin of every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and the love of God. But these are things you should have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus spoke of how they measured out their tithes to be given to the temple, and yet they neglected the law which spoke of the heart. They should have given mercy and justice toward people. What Jesus is really saying is this. He's saying, you guys are coming to God's house to give, but you're treating people like dirt. That's not acceptable. Jesus says you should give, but then you should also bring mercy and justice to bear in the lives of other people. And ladies and gentlemen, that is true of us as well. You can come to church every Sunday and bring your tithe, and that's good. Jesus affirms that. Bring a tenth of your income, give it to God. However, don't come and give to God and then treat people like dirt. That is not acceptable. God is looking for you to extend mercy. You know what mercy is? It's not treating someone with the, what they really need to be treated like. In other words, it's not giving them judgment whenever they really need it. But instead, it gives them mercy. God says, you've received mercy, so you should be mercy givers. But don't go to God's house and give a tithe and then act ugly to people. That's backwards, man. Y'all out there? You might be a fake if you give to God and mistreat others. Let me give you another point here. You might be a fake if you use religious activity to elevate your reputation. Notice verse 43. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces. In short, the religious of Jesus' day were only religious because it became a platform for them to gain respect from other people. They loved for their chairs to be out in front. They love to uh, move throughout the marketplaces and wear all the garb and have all the phylacteries hanging from their hair so that other people would see them. They love to do their religious activity, praying, fasting, so that everybody could see them, and then they would just gain ultimate respect. And the people, when they saw them in the marketplace, would stop and bow to them. They dug that. That's the only reason they acted religious, so that other people would be impressed by them and they would gain notoriety and social prominence. And, you know, there are those in churches today, the only reason that they go to church is so that they can gain notoriety, so they can gain a reputation. And be very careful because there are some who want to be on every board. They want to join the largest church. They want to be out in front of everybody so everyone else can see them and hear them. Heard about one old joker who actually joined the church because it was the largest in town and his business would profit if he got around all those people. How ridiculous. Not understanding that inside of him, he is filled with sin. You could be a fake if your true inner desire is to be known. And you use religious activity as a stepladder to gain notoriety in the context of a body of believers. Be very careful. Y'all still with me? Say yes. You might be a fake if your life turns people away from the Lord. Verse 44, woe to you. For you are like concealed tombs. Matthew's gospel says whitewashed tombs. The people who walk over them are unaware of it. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, according to the Levitical law, uh, tombs were actually considered unclean. 
So think about what Jesus is doing. Jesus is pointing a finger at the religious people of his day and saying, y'all are like concealed tombs. Outside, everybody is overwhelmingly impressed. But listen, just like the tombs of the Levitical system are considered unclean, so I declare you to be unclean. Strong statement to religious people. And then he even says the people who are walking over them are unaware of it. You know what he's getting at here? He's saying people are coming into contact with you thinking that you know God when you do not. And as a result, you are not only unclean, but you are leading other people to be unclean. Very strong. Ladies and gentlemen, you can look real Christian when you come to church. Y'all all right? You come to church and you all dressed up. You got your big Bible. Uh, you memorized all your verses. You went to all your Sunday school classes. You're in all the Bible studies. You know the answer to a bunch of theological questions. Be very careful that you are not a whitewashed tomb. That you have not externally cleaned up, but on the inside still filled with sin. And you have not yet repented and genuinely given your life to Christ. Be very careful. Because not only are you unclean, you are leading other people to live a life far from God. So you might be a fake if your life turns people away from the Lord. Let me give you another point here. You might be a fake if you load people down with your opinions, but don't seek to help anybody. The lawyers were involved in this text. They were all just hanging out, listening to Jesus talk. And then according to the Bible in verse 45, they're like, Teacher, when you admit us, man, you're offending us too. Jesus is like, wait a minute. <laughs> Woe to you as well. It's almost like if he'd have just been quiet, man. But he says, you lawyers, man, you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. The lawyers love to get together as well like the Pharisees did and create new laws, new traditions, new list of do's and don'ts. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, if you do this, you'll be righteous. If you don't do that, you'll be righteous. If you do this, uh, you'll be unrighteous. If you don't do that, then you're unrighteous. Let's add to this thing. Let's get it big. It's kind of like the tax code in America. It started off real small and simple until a bunch of lawyers got around it. Y'all all right? Now the book is like this thick and nobody knows what they're supposed to do. That was a joke, not a political referendum. Y'all all right? <laughs> Are y'all out there? Good night, man. Y'all just want to pray and go to Sunday school. But anyway, here's what the deal is. They get together. They get all these lists, and they add to it, add to it, and this huge book, and now they're going around condemning everybody. And um, the lawyers enjoyed putting more and more of their opinions. Be careful if you find yourself pushing your opinions or pushing your traditions on other people. This is what the Pharisees are doing. Jesus says, you guys are lost. You don't even know God. And yet you're out there trying to push all your stuff. And you can do that in the context of a Baptist church too. Have your self-made righteous mold you've put together. You've added to scripture. You've got all these lists. And you're saying, if you don't fit this mold, then you're unholy and you don't know God. Reality is, if you're holding this mold, you're the one lost and doesn't know God. So often, people fall into that. Here's another point. You might be a fake if you respect men of God, but disrespect God himself. Look at your Bible, verse 47. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. For this reason, 
Also, the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some of them they will persecute, so that the blood of all of the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Now, the religious of Jesus' day were huge on erecting monuments for past prophets. And so they had these grave sites that were put together for people like Isaiah, Malachi, Zechariah. But Jesus turns everything on them and says, you guys, you love those monuments, but reality is when you built those, you are actually affirming what your own fathers did. They put those prophets to death. And in your affirmation of what your fathers did, you likewise are just about to do the exact same thing. They killed the prophets of the Old Testament. You are about to kill the greatest prophet, Jesus Christ himself. That's exactly what they did. And Jesus uh, speaks condemnation on their life and says to them, you all are basically mounting up for yourself greater judgment because you're rejecting me. What a statement that is, and how do we apply that today? We better be very, very careful as people of God that we don't respect men of God to the exclusion of actually honoring the Son of God. So when we get around together, we've got to be very careful that all we talk about is not preachers we love, teachers we like, or this person or that person. Have you heard this person? Have you seen this person? Be very careful that you don't do all of this respecting of men of God, but disrespect the Son of God himself. Everything should be about the person of Christ. That's the warning. You know, I read this in my devotion this past week, 1 John chapter 2 and 23. The Bible says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Look at the preacher, eyeball to eyeball. Jesus was standing in front of them, and they were denying the Son. The Bible says if you deny the Son, you don't have the Father. Now these are Jewish people who say, I follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet they were denying the Son, and according to Scripture, they did not even have the Father. Man, we got to be careful. We may find ourselves to be fake and not true followers of Christ. Here's another point for you. You might be fake if you lock people out from experiencing the grace of Jesus. Verse 52 in your Bible, Woe to you lawyers, uh, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. So Jesus states that these lawyers, through the activity of their religiosity and tenacity at adding to the law of God, were actually not entering into the house of true knowledge. And uh, when we take that... uh, biblical statement and we put it together with all the rest of scripture what we're finding here is that they were not entering into the knowledge of God's righteousness given through the person of Jesus Christ they were throwing the key of knowledge away what's the key of knowledge the key of knowledge is the Lord Jesus himself and they were rejecting the very key and as a result even though they were real religious and everybody thought they were real religious they were bringing people away from god further and further by their own religiosity must be very careful that we don't lock people out from experiencing the grace of jesus think for just a moment about your own life you run into somebody who's in a difficult spot in their life are y'all listening say yes So you run into them in a difficult spot in their life. Man, it feels like their life is falling apart. First of all, good news, if their life's falling apart, they are ripe for the gospel. It's time for you to share Jesus with them. 
But be very careful if you run into them and all of a sudden you begin to create all of these things that they should do to improve their lives. So you're like, you know what you ought to do? You ought to quit acting like that. You ought to quit saying that. You ought to put this on. You ought to dress like this. You ought to go to this church. You ought to do this. You ought to do that, et cetera, et cetera. Be careful. You're offering them a religious system. You're locking them out of the house of knowledge. When somebody is down and they are in a difficult situation, what should you do? You should come to them and offer them the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he opens up the house of knowledge and says, come in here and get to know my father. Jesus is who we introduce people to, not some religious system we created. Religious systems drag people to hell. But grace is paved by the blood of Jesus who died on the cross at Calvary for us, was buried and resurrected. And when we turn from our sin and grab hold of Christ, it is a one-way street all the way to God the Father. That's who we introduce, Jesus. Who are you introducing? There's a lot of preaching in a short amount of time, but I want you to consider for just a moment this guy who has a massive problem. He's got an internal bleeding cancer and he's got this idea he's going to fix himself so what he does is he begins to get a first aid kit out of the church office here and he opens it up and begins to put band-aids all over his body he's going to put band-aids on and then he, he, he said I'm going to drink water I'm going to drink 64 ounces of water every single day this is going to help me. It's going to make me feel better. People will find out about what's going on with the man. They say, would you come down here and talk to all these other cancer patients? Tell them what you're doing to improve your life, how you're getting well. Yeah, I'd love to, man. Come down there and say, hey, fellas, listen to this. Get you some Band-Aids. Put them all over your body. Drink 64 ounces of water every single day to help you. That's ludicrous. They've got an internal cancer problem. They need a surgeon, not a Band-Aid. But here's the deal. People have an internal sin problem. And so often people in the church are walking around saying, hey, let me tell you about these Band-Aids. Here's some stuff. You ha just get baptized. You'll be all right. Hey, you drink this water. Just, just go to Sunday school. You'll be all right. Be very careful you're not offering Band-Aids and water to a person who is dying of sin. It won't help them. What they need is a surgeon. Who's the surgeon? Jesus. Jesus says, I didn't come to call the healthy. I came to call the sick. So those who are sick, that means those who realize that they have a sin problem and cannot fix it themselves. They come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and God, by his grace, counts Jesus' death on the cross as their death, as his burial, as their burial, his resurrection, as their resurrection. Jesus forgives them of their sin, gives them a brand new life, cleans them up, listen to the preacher, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. God takes out that heart of stone, gives you a brand new heart that beats for the Son of God. Some of you need that. You've had religion, man. I'm telling you, it ain't going nowhere. You need relationship with Christ. Have you embraced him? Don't live your entire life in church as a fake and then go to hell. The door's still open. Let's bow together. Father, speak to hearts even now.